Right here, right here, right here, right here. Yeah. You want him? Yeah. Welcome back to Redneck Tech Podcast. I think this is episode 32. I always do that. I never remember which episode it is because I never think to look it up before I get started. But anyway, I'm really excited on this one. Been trying to track Walt down for a couple weeks now. He is, if believe it or not, way busier than I am because he's got a lot of Walt. You can you can tell everybody about it, but you've got so much thing, so many things going on with the Mossy Oak web series and shorts that you guys are doing that. <laughs> You're burning at both ends, aren't you? Busy times and fun times, but busy is good. Yes, right? busy is very good. And now that it's in turkey season, which I don't know, which one would you consider your favorite, turkey season or duck season? You know, I've been asked that a few times. I love shooting turkeys. I love killing turkeys. I love hunting turkeys. They're fun to film. Uh, ducks, I'd much rather film them. So I guess I like them both for uh, different reasons. Turkey season's definitely not as cold. Well, yeah. that's, that's positive. Well, we, we, we both know that we, I disagree with you on the duck thing, which we're not gonna probably not going to get into ducks on this one just because it's turkey season and I kind of want to keep it relevant. But we are going to talk when it gets closer to duck season about why you love those stupid ducks so much. We'll turn you one of these days. <laughs> one of these days, which we tried to do that, was it last year or the year before? And, and something happened, somebody got sick and we couldn't do it. Yeah, we'll get it done. Yeah, we're going to we'll get, get it done. We'll get you on them. But anyway, You'll, you will like it before it's over. <laughs> well, you've got a you've got a hard sell on your hands, buddy. I promise. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, I met Walt. I don't know three or four years ago. I've kind of known about Walt for a long time. You produced Avian X for a number of years. Uh, then you went to Drift Media for a year, which is where I was just working. And then now you are with Mossy Oak. So kind of introduce yourself, kind of how you got into all this this crazy business that we're in, and. Kind of tell me a little bit about yourself. We'll try. We'll do the short version. You know, I was uh, my whole life behind the camera started back in high school with my grandma's big VHS camcorder, the uh, the big ones, like editing stuff as I was shooting, just jacking around. And my buddy left that camera on my tailgate one day. Uh, we were filming like changing a trail camera or something, and I drove off and I lost the camera. And I thought grandma was going to kill me. And uh, went and told her that I lost her camera. And uh, she ended up taking me to Best Buy the next week. She's like, pick you out a video camera. So I ended up getting like this handy cam that had like prepackaged editing software in it. And man, that really, that was what sparked me, uh, you know, when I started actually putting clips together and putting music in it and, and things like that. And I kind of carried that to college and, um, ended up getting an internship while I was in college at Zinc Calls, and uh, they were still doing the video series at the time. I think they had done three videos, and they ended up giving me a shot in 2007, and uh, they offered me a full-time job at the end of that year, and uh, I packed my stuff, moved from Kentucky to Ohio, and we did the videos for a while, and then we started Avian X decoys, and uh, we got into the TV world. And I stayed there for, I was there for nine years total. And then uh, ended up making the transition. <clears throat> I was got a couple boys now. 
I wanted to move back closer to home, closer to family. So I moved back to Kentucky and took a position with uh, Drift Media. And it was a, that was a, a good year for me that year at Drift. I kind of got to, I've been so centered on what Zinc calls Navian X, what we were doing as a company. And, you know, that year at Drift, I got to work with a lot of different marketing people in different companies with different visions and trying to make their vision a reality and, and still to get my own, uh, my own creative flair in there too. So that was definitely a, a building year for me. And then, uh, towards the end of that year, I guess that would have been 2016, uh, got a full-time job with Mossy Oak. And I've known all those guys for a long time. Probably as far as people go, it's the most incredible people, uh, in a company that I've ever had the opportunity to be a part of. So now we're there and we're, we're doing a lot of digital stuff. So it's been fun. Yeah. I just got off the phone with Chuck yesterday talking about, uh, Mossy Oak and just, you know, he was unsolicited. He was telling me about, you know, kind of what they're working on. And he's like, you know, he's like, dude, those Mossy Oak guys, he's like, you're not going to find a better group of dudes. And, you know, I grew up in Georgia. I grew up a real tree guy, you know, um, it really, but just because I was from Georgia and I thought that's what you had to wear, you know, and it was never, you know, it was never, I really thought one pattern was better than the other. It was just all I knew until I really got to work with the Mossy Oak people and see, what kind of people they are. And it was, it was eye opening, you know, and now it's, it's, and, and still, I still have several buddies at Realtree and love those guys, but it's still hard for me now to represent anybody but Mossy Oak just because of essentially is how open arms they let, you know, they brought me in when I was just working with gamekeepers for what, nine months or so when I was with sub seven. So really, really good, good group of dudes that now with, with your help and with Fafa's help or, kicking the meat kicking the digital side in the teeth well we're we're definitely having fun at it and that's i think i, I went so long there towards the end of my days uh at avian x and even at drift it wasn't that i wasn't having fun but uh, i can honestly say the past year I, i'm busier than i've ever been but i'm having more fun than i've ever had and uh and that really truly does bleed over into your work and what you end up accomplishing. If you're yeah. having fun at it and you've got the right people around you supporting what you're, you're wanting to do and, and all your visions line up, it's uh, it's good. Man. Well, that was going to be my question. Do you think it's because of the work or do you think it's because of the people? Everything starts with people, man, yeah. you know, uh, you know, and from the management standpoint of where I'm at now, you know, a lot of people manage from the top, but, I don't feel that at all. You know, our managers are at the bottom with us holding everybody else up and, and making sure you've got a clear path. And, uh, it's, it's nice. That's awesome. Breath of fresh air. Yeah. Well, well, good. That'll kind of roll right into, you know, kind of what I wanted to start talking about, which is, you know, now that you're doing a lot of digital, not necessarily what you're not really doing anything TV wise anymore. I'm also are you, you're, you're focused completely on the digital side. That is my main focus. Okay. Yeah. Well, I have a pet peeve of using the word digital. I hate when people say we're going to do digital, we're going to do digital. Explain to me exactly what you are doing digitally. I'm also 
that's a that's broad you know digital is a broad word yeah you know you say digital and, and you hear that a lot well i just hate uh, when people use that word in a marketing term you know we're going to put money marketing dollars into our digital platforms okay well yeah. what what does that mean you know explain that to me well what we're doing is we're, we're telling our we're telling our stories you know and it, it's really in a short more short film um basis and they're they're being delivered digitally you know that's really the only difference is the mm -hmm. way they're delivered it's yeah. not not through network tv and uh yeah you know doing it digitally you have a lot more platforms and uh, avenues to get get your message out in a timely manner uh, yeah so. yeah that's my you know that's what i found right now with transitioning everything to you know content creation is it's the be it's beautiful in the fact that you can be creative, you can tell cool stories, but the downside of it is is how fast you have to get it out there, and the yeah. you know the to turn and burn time. You know how's that? How's that? How's that so much different to you? You know what's what's the main difference as you see as far as when you're out producing, and shooting for web versus television? Because when you're doing television, to me, I know you know it's six, eight, nine months out before this is gonna you know get edited. You know, if I'm shooting this, you know, this web piece, like the one I did for Mossberg, the ones you're doing for Mossy Oak, you know, essentially I'm cutting this stuff sometimes the same day, most of the time, except a couple of days later. Yep. Well, the, you know, when we were in TV, I, I hated the the lag, you know. We were doing doing things in April, and nobody, they wouldn't even see the light of day except like a Facebook picture until January 1st, mm -hmm. you know, and then... It kind of just, I, I I just don't like the system. <clears throat> I think it's it's a broken system. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we were editing turkey shows while we were shooting waterfowl and vice versa. We were editing waterfowl shows while turkey season was going on. And, you know, now we go out, we shoot, like you said, sometimes the turnarounds, it, it's within days. Yeah. You know? And what I like about that is you shoot it, you cut it, you send it out and you're done with it and you're you moving you on don't touch it, it anymore yeah. your your moving mind doesn't on. even have to think about it yeah i hate it sitting there in april when i'm wanting to go turkey hunting and i'm looking at a waterfowl show i shot in november i going i really don't even care about this right now yeah, i just want to go turkey hunting. it's hard to get pumped yeah it's hard <laughs> to get pumped up for turkeys when you're having to watch duck circle for sure yeah. yeah and that's that's the cool thing to me though but you know kind of like you said the tv is a broken system and we're seeing that more and more with the state of you know outdoor television is and more and more people go into a web-based platform or to a short film platform because, you know, I think a large portion of it is because of the viewer base and the people that are watching these shows. They don't want to have to wait a year to see this content. And marketers don't want to send out products and pay for sponsor dollars for a television show when they can do kind of do what you guys are doing and they can see that, pro that new product the next week instead of the next year. Yeah. And media is consumed so quickly now compared to even, you know, look at 10 years ago when I first got into this and the way media was consumed and the way, you know, younger kids and the younger generations back then were consuming media was completely different than what we're seeing now. Like my kid can navigate YouTube better than I can. Oh, yeah, mine five, too. You know, yeah. it's just the way it is. They're, they, you know, kids growing up now aren't even going to know what TV as we knew it. They're not even going to know what that is, you know. It's kind of like kind of like the eight track tape, you know. Yeah. 
Well, I don't think to, I don't think outdoor television, and this is my personal opinion, I don't think outdoor television as it stands survives a lot longer. There's got to be some major changes happen, I, and and I and I don't even know what those changes are in order for it to continue and it to survive, especially the dollar amount that these networks are asking for as far as airtime goes. I just don't see people continuing to pay it because, I mean, you and I both know how much those airtimes are, and I know how, how far that dollar can go on the film side or on the website or on the digital side. You know, I can take a TV show airtime budget, and I can I can do a lot of stuff with that amount of money. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out in the next few years that's for sure yeah I'm, I'm i'm interested to see it but uh you know i think it's going you know what you guys are doing in the digital platform that's where i see it going is that is that where you want to see it go where if it's not where would you like to see it go you know i, I think the way it's going is is the way i would like to see it keep going uh there's really nothing we can do about it and it'll probably change in the next five years to what we're doing now you know it's yeah i think it's like a consumption five, yeah. and yeah, media consumption and what people are watching and how long they're watching, that's that's a moving target. You yeah. Know? Well I think it's there's a moving target. Well I think it's just like anything else. You know, there's a five or ten year cycle with pretty much anything, any trend, any you know, whether that's a fashion trend, whether that's a you know, like how uh reality shows were when Duck Dynasty came out, you know, all the reality craze, I think that's finally starting to die off. So it's you know, there's there's trends and everything, and I think we're fine. We're on the very beginning, the beginning stages of that five to ten year trend on what we're doing on the media side, and then how that's being consumed. And you know, I, I I'm not a fortune teller, but I don't see how it could speed up anymore until it goes. And the only way it speeds up anymore is if everything goes live. Which I, I mean, I don't know how you feel about live, but to me. There's so many things that can go wrong, especially in the hunting world and how hunting's perceived by people that aren't, you know, non-hunters, essentially yep. because we get, we are, we are granted the right to hunt by the people in the middle that don't hunt at all, you know, and don't care, but essentially sign off on the fact that we can hunt. I mean, it's, hunting's not a right, it's a privilege. So it's one of those things to where I going live and people that go live on Facebook and stuff, that scares me to death because... All it's got to take is one person screwing up or doing something stupid to where that, you know, essentially they represent the entire industry and it's going fast enough for me now. And I don't, I don't want to see the live thing happen in my opinion. I think we're going to see more of it, you know, and I'm with you on that. We've, I've had multiple conversations about live and trying to incorporate it, but you know, I can't, uh, I don't see the benefit of it right now for the very reasons you just listed well, off there yeah I mean, there's just too, not uh, there's too much to lose there's i mean because we're all human beings and everybody's gonna you know who knows what's gonna happen behind the scenes i mean we've all been on we've been on shoots where there's things happen that if it would have been live it wouldn't have been good and it's not because of anybody's fault it's just one of those things that you know crap happens <laughs> or you know we're human beings we're gonna make mistakes and you know there's a lot of things that if they go out live there's no bringing them back you know and that's that's something that scares me to death because I've been asked to do a couple of live things and you better be on your P's and Q's if you're doing live. Yep. I agree. But yeah, it's, I'm ooh. steering away. I'm steering clear of it right now. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'm, I'm trying my very best to, well, let's get to talking about turkeys. We're right in, we're right in the beginning stages of turkeys. I know you were in South Florida down there when I was, you've already done stuff and were you in Mississippi or was that just far far? Were you both there? 
Uh, five, I was in Mississippi. I was over at the Bassmaster Classic. Oh yeah, you had to go bass fishing. I forgot. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, we're we're on the cusp. Georgia opens tomorrow. When you called me earlier, I was actually getting stuff ready to go out in the morning. I'm going to go film um, some guys, local guys, in the morning and do some content stuff. But once Georgia opens, that's usually right about when everybody starts opening. You know, within the next two or three weeks, everybody opens up except for a couple of states. You know, in the like I think yep. like Wisconsin opens really late and there's a couple others, but you know, I know you like, I like, I know you like turkeys. Um, and you've probably filmed as many turkeys get shot as anybody. Um, I was talking about turkeys the other day on the podcast. In your opinion, how important is the setup when you're trying to not just kill turkeys, but to film turkeys being killed? Setups, everything. Yeah. You know, I mean, first off Turkey, season is the most magical time of the year in my opinion that the process from you know the middle of march to the middle of may i there's nowhere i'd rather be than outside amongst them every day i almost feel guilty if you're not out with them but when you're going to set up i mean that's you know i've been fortunate enough to hunt with some really good turkey hunters uh over the past several years and uh but even some of the best turkey hunters in the world, they, you know, they may not know how to set up to film it. They can set up to kill it, and they can kill turkeys, you know, maybe not any time they want, but they're good. The setup when filming a turkey, and it's always going to be different, too, you know. Like, you never find a situation hardly, unless you're set up on, you know, field edges are fairly similar. But when you're in the woods, man, it's... <laughs> finding the perfect tree and and the right angle it's it's it all happens in a matter of a lot of times you know 15 20 seconds it's like mm-hmm. all right here and here you know uh, yeah and you get you you make the wrong decision there it's going to be hard on you filming yeah. you know yeah well and that's you know that's kind of what i wanted to you know i wanted i guess you to give your perspective on it but i had that same kind of problem happen in south florida it's not necessarily a problem but i went with a guy who can flat out kill turkeys no doubt in my mind can flat out kill turkeys, but had never been on camera. And there's a gigantic difference between killing turkeys and filming turkeys. Oh yeah. And, you know, and kind of, you know, my, you know, my thoughts on it and I'll, you know, I'll, I don't, I don't know if you listened to, you know, what my thoughts were, but the way I set up for turkeys is obviously this is all in a perfect world. And rarely does that ever happen, but, in a perfect world, if I'm setting up for turkeys and we've called and the turkey's gobbling and he's answering, we get to a place to where I can be over my right-handed shooter's right shoulder and I get my decoys. I like decoys under 10 yards just for the simple fact that if a turkey's going to hang up to decoys at 10 yards, he's usually within shotgun range. And if a turkey commits to decoys and as long as you sit still, he's going to come in and that makes the footage that much better. That makes the hunt that much better. That makes the the adrenaline, the everything about it that much better. Does it make it harder? In, in some cases, but I believe the setup and a turkey that's wanting to die is just as important. What's your What's your kind of take on that? That's about, I mean, that's what I do. I mean, it's always, you know, I try to get on the same tree with them. Uh, and if it's right-handed shooter, get over the right shoulder. And then half the time I'll kind of tuck behind the tree. So like my body is not even visible to anything on the other side of that tree, you know, and the camera's tucked up 
tied over the right shoulder and uh, the decoys, like you said, I'm a firm believer in putting them close. Mm-hmm. You know, can you get too close? Yeah, you can get too close with them. But if you if you're in that ten twelve yard range, that's that's kind of the money zone, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah. You know. Well, and that's what I told people. I was like, you know, t- turkeys have incredible eyesight. Yes, they do, but they also just like pretty much all other animals. They're based on movement. As long as you've got your hands covered and your face covered and you're sitting still. And you got your barrel pointed at the decoys. If they commit and they come to the decoys, they're, they're going to come. The decoys, yeah, man. they're going to come, man. You know, yep. and and I don't know. I'm, I'm sure you have too, but I've gotten away with a quite a bit with a turkey fully committed to decoys. You know, absolutely. They're not looking for you anymore. They yeah. found what they're looking for, and uh, now you can absolutely. I've seen them mm-hmm. bug out because something happened. So somebody moved or something like that. But, yeah. You know, and they you, get so tunnel visioned when they get in on those decoys and that. Uh, well, you can see it. I mean, you can see it in their demeanor and their in their body language. If they're fully committed, I mean, you can just about do whatever you want to them. And it's it's you know it's going to take a lot to make that turkey spook and get out of there. And the best yep. thing is when they come with that decoy and they're in full fan and you know blew up. If they turn and get that that their fan to where it covers their face, sometimes then you can as long as there's not other turkeys around. You can just about do whatever you need to do, you know. But how do you, um, I was talking about how I put a net. Like, I, I usually get completely under a net. Do you, I'm, sh- I'm sure I've seen pictures, and I know you do, but, like, you have a net you carry around that goes over your camera. What I wear is a, uh, it's an old diffusion suit. It's a mossy oak made it back in the day. I got it the first year I ever filmed turkeys. It's the best leafy suit I've ever, ever seen, and the way it holds up. But uh, it's just a mossy oak obsession leafy suit, and I, put on a i put that top on and the pants and then i've got another one that i ended up finding on ebay and uh i took a pair of pants they were kind of old and ratty but i cut them up and i made a little cover i could stick in the back of my vest and i can throw that over the camera wrap it up in two seconds and and i'm good yeah but you're filming with a red now and that thing's like a volkswagen so Mm -hmm. you know but I've not had one spook off of it yet. Yeah, I've I've so. had I've got a big mine's mine's not the same kind of net, but mine's an Ameristep essentially ghillie suit that's you know it's just got the armholes and it's just essentially same a big deal, man. drape. Yep. Yeah, and I'll put mine over it, and I've been under that net with turkeys inside thirty yards, and I'm spun 180 degrees under that net well with turkeys in inside thirty yards in full view. And gotten away with it. I mean, as long as you stay under that net, it's just like being in a just like being in a uh, blind i mean they just don't pay it any attention i've killed yep. t- and i've killed turkeys sitting in the middle of the road underneath that net they just it's like it's like you're invisible which i mean their their brain is the size of a pea so it's not like you're <laughs> not you're, i mean they're they're smart within reason you know there's a lot of things that like fanning them you know you figured they'd figure that out by now but they they hadn't figured that out either something um, about you know real real tail feathers you yeah know? oh yeah yeah we'll get them every time yeah it's unreal. Then but, also, you know, I'll pack easy cuts in my vest too. So if you have some easy cuts in your vest and you sit down, you can, especially if you're in some pines or something like that, you can cut yourself up a couple things just to kind of lay up against your tripod and, and get yourself brushed in super fast too. Mm-hmm. That's that's another key. Yeah, just breaking up your outline and sitting still. That's what I tell people. Just sit still and you're fine. So, yep. um, how do you like to hunt turkeys, you know, when you're filming? I mean, I know there's, you know, that's one thing that I've learned as I've started filming and traveling and doing hunt, you know, hunt with a bunch of different people. Everybody seems to hunt turkeys a little bit different. How, how do you like to hunt them? 
I like to hunt them any way I possibly can. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't discriminate as long as you can kill one, right? That's a fact. I mean, for filming, you know, if you've got if you're hunting with somebody that's done their homework, you know, and they know, or you can go roost them the night before, and and you know where they're ultimately going to end up. Mm-hmm. You know, in the morning, that's that's the best. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Where you can get in there early, get set up, and then. Uh, let them come to you and know you're going to have a shot at them. Well, that and, and it uh, gives you, if you if you kill them right off the bat like that, it gives you that much more time to create some cool content instead of running around chasing them all day. And then there's only so much daylight. You know, we know how that goes. There's never enough time to do everything you need to do. Yeah, and it's kind of, a, you know, from a production standpoint, hunting them that early in the morning, it's, it's a catch-22, you know, because you're limited at what you can shoot going in in the dark mm-hmm. and you're trying to be quiet. So it does take a little more work on the, you know, after it's over. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, your lights changing by the second too. Like yeah. If you, if you kill one 45, half an hour, 45 minutes after sunrise, you know, your lights just, it's, it's changing so fast. If you're going to shoot anything, you know, you've really got to put it in a, a different gear and get what you got to get because mm-hmm. you're going to be in some different light yeah. in no time, you know. When you're now, when you're on a turkey hunt and you're filming, you're the producer. Do you call the shot? Yeah. How does that, how does that, I know how I do it, but I kind of want to hear your process. Do you kind of have a, essentially a pseudo meeting with whoever's going to be on the gun the morning before? Every single time. If I've not hunted with them, we, I mean, I absolutely will sit down and have a conversation about, you know, what to expect the next day and what we're going, you know, what we're going to try to accomplish. So they, they know. You know, I think that's uh, the communication beforehand is mondo important. I've I've been there a lot of times where you don't have that conversation and you show up and I've had a lot of things go wrong, you know. Oh, yeah. But we go over first and foremost, you know, for using decoys, how far and where and making sure they're in the right place without making a lot of noise, you know, being able to communicate um, and when everything's right, you know it without having to to really talk much, you know. Well, I don't know if you've had the situation where you've kind of had to be the bad guy. I'm sure you have and say, you know, either I, I you know, I don't have good footage of him or I don't see him or it's too dark or I'm sure you've had a situation where you've had to call somebody off before. Yep. That that has happened. It sucks. I mean, I want to kill him just as bad as anybody else, but that's what, you know, that's and that's kind of the conversation I have to have. And it always is different because of what the situation is. If you're there like in your case, trying to create a film that's about a turkey hunt and, you know, killing a turkey, you know, that kill and that content is of utmost importance. But if you're going out with your son and you're trying to kill a turkey and you're toting the camera, that's not as important. You know, he's going to, you know, that turkey gets there, you kill him, you know, you get what you get. But It's priorities. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So <laughs> it's, you know, I've had to have, I've had to be the bad guy on a couple of occasions and say, you know, I know you're, you know, you're, you're here to, wanting to kill a turkey but i'm also here to do a job and you don't get to pull the trigger until i tell you to you know and a lot of times a turkey's coming in he's full strut and come into the decoys and somebody that's never let one do that that's extremely hard for them so essentially not only do you have to be the guy that calls the shot but you've got to talk somebody off a cliff you know like calm down you know he's not going anywhere you know once i get all the footage i need we can kill him you know you kind of have to be almost a cheerleader and a you know, all Absolutely. that other, yeah. So, I mean, there's, it's a multi multifaceted thing, but when we're there and the content is of the utmost importance, 
you know, and I said this and I, I knew you'd agree with me, but you know, we have to call the shot because we know what we've got. You know, the guy holding the gun didn't know what we're filming. He didn't know what we've got and what we don't have. Um, so I, I just want to reiterate that fact. Like if you're there and the content's the most important thing, you've got to be the guy calling the shot. You can't be afraid to speak of the one story that comes to mind. And I, I'll tell this story because I know the guy won't mind. I was hunting, you know, you know him, Caleb, Josh Dalkey. Oh yeah. Spent oh, some yeah. time with him. Uh, we were set up in Kentucky and we were trying to shoot a episode of the hunger. And, uh, I literally almost had to tie him to the tree. <laughs> like a hundred percent that we had a, a turkey with some hens. He was strutting and he would not commit to the decoys. He saw the decoys. We had a Jake and a hen out and, uh, it was right early morning. They had flown down and, uh, he was messing with his hens, man. You could tell he, he did not like the Jake down there, but he was more worried about his hens. And, uh, Josh was bound and determined to pull out his tail fan and crawl on him. I'm like, no, I said, just wait. I said, that's going to be crap. And, uh, you know, a lot of times turkeys will do that. They'll get, especially right off the roost, you know, they'll fly down, they'll mess with their hens, and then they'll, hens will go one way and they'll kind of branch off and do a, you know, do their own thing. And that's exactly what happened, you know. It took about 30 minutes and he was about to come unglued, but eventually that gobbler left his hens and he came straight in, whooped the crap out of the Jake decoy, and we killed him at uh, 10 yards, yep. you know. Yep. Uh, that's all, you know, I kind of had not, not necessarily that same situation, but a similar situation a couple of weeks ago where, you know, we went to go set up on a turkey that was gobbling and the, you know, the setup was awful. It was hideous. I didn't have, I didn't have a clear line of sight. You know, it wasn't, it was not conducive to video whatsoever. And, you know, they sat down, you know, getting ready to kill this turkey. And I said, if this is how we're going to kill this turkey, then I would rather not get it. And they're, you know, they're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, the footage is going to be awful. You know, this setup is, you know, we can kill him here but I can't video him here, you know, and I'm standing there and they're, you know, they're getting kind of frustrated with me. And I was like, you know, I'm here to get a turkey on video and it's not, this isn't the spot to do it. I was like, you know, we either going to have to move or we're going to have to find another turkey because there's plenty here. You know, it's one of those things to where it's, that's also another factor is if there's plenty of turkeys there and you know, you got another one to go to, then that's, you know, that's helpful. But, you know, I was kind of, I was, I told them, you know, I was like, you know, this footage is more important than killing him. You know, if we kill him, then that doesn't do me any good. Patience is a uh, patience is the name of the game when mm -hmm. it comes to turkeys, and uh, being patient. Not if you know it's not going to be good, just back out. You know, mm -hmm. instead of pushing forward and killing him and it be crap or bumping him or something like that. I ten to one, I'll back out and make a you know come up with another plan. And if it just doesn't work out, go after him tomorrow. You know. Yeah. Well, and that's hard to do sometimes. That's hard to, in your head to say, and, you know, and it's, I know you know, probably feel the same way, but it's almost sacrilegious to leave a turkey that's gobbling or, you know, to move on a turkey that's gobbling. You know, when it's you're hard, up, man. Yep. And if I'm turkey hunting, I probably won't leave him gobbling. Exactly. You know I mean? Exactly. But uh, when you're filming, you're there for a purpose. You just got to stick to your guns. You yep. know, and it's, it gets, you know, I mean, the first year I filmed turkeys, I was a complete wreck so many times. You know what I mean? Having to let them go or we shot some off camera and we shot some bad, you know, just had some bad footage, you know, but it was all, it was all a patience deal, mm -hmm. you know? Well, and it's learning, it's learning too. It's, you know, I know I've been on a couple death marches on turkey hunts and, you know, when you walk, you know, four and five and six miles chasing turkeys all over a, a swamp or a, you know, pine thicket or whatever, and you finally get one to commit and kill him and then you don't get it on camera. 
and you're like, you know, we essentially toted this camera around all morning, worked my butt off, and then not get it. You know, it's it's like somebody let the air out of you. It's 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 tough to yep. deal with. Well, what's it is deflating? Yeah. So, what's the biggest difference to you? To kind of switching gears, now that you're doing more films, more shorts, or pretty much all films and shorts. What's the biggest difference to you between doing that and producing full 30-minute television shows? Well, a lot of the work's the same, you know. It's all it all comes down to your prep work on both of them. Mm-hmm. And the work you put in before you get to a shoot, the difference is you know, it's a quick turnaround. Uh, and the biggest thing that I like about it, there is no there's no time limit or minimum, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like back in the TV days, it's like, all right, we got to hit twenty one thirty in four segments. And I just, that dude, I never want to go back. Oh God. I was, I was literally about to say the same thing. If I never have to edit another TV show again, I would not be upset. But the most beautiful part about it is when you get done and that thing is sitting there at seven minutes and 53 seconds and 12 frames. And you're like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to go and time this thing out. Exactly. People don't, if people that have never edited a full length TV show don't understand that struggle of timing one to within the frame, you know, and, and having to either add to a story and put in or take pra- away or take away. Yeah. Add to a story that probably doesn't add any value whatsoever or stuff hitting the cutting room floor that you're like, I really and it's almost wish. always one or the other. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Oh yeah. They've, I've never had one work out just perfect. I've always had to trim or add to, and I would much rather trim than add to trying to add to is a lot more, a lot more difficult to me than cutting one down. Yep. But, um, well, that was literally the next question on my notes. If you see, do you miss television? And you've already answered that. So I guess I'll, I guess we'll skip over that one. You said this when we were talking on the phone earlier, and this is kind of the last thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, I was telling you about somebody asked me the other day why I was doing the podcast. And he said, no, I told you it's because I want to, you know, put the information out there and elevate everybody. But like you, exactly what you said is what we do, there aren't any secrets. You know, it's exactly how hard you want to work. And kind of give me your thoughts on that because you were talking about it earlier. There's no smoke and mirrors when it comes to production. I mean, everybody's, you know, if you've got a camera, you've got the opportunity, you know, and what you do with the opportunity, it all comes down to how hard you want to work and how bad you want it and what you want to accomplish. Like, and I know you're the same way, but take Florida. I was there for three days. I mean, dude, we were running 18 to 20 hours a day, you know, shooting, importing, organizing our media. And then I, it's, it's madness, <clears throat> you know, and you've really got to, you got to love it and you've got to embrace it. You know, there's literally, there's no time to be lazy, you know? No. And, uh, the only thing that getting lazy is going to do, it's going to hurt your content. Yeah. And it's going to hurt your end product. Yep. That so. was, I literally did my, my last podcast was about do the hard things, you know, that, you know, if you, that you've got that really heavy tripod and that big fluid head and that big heavy camera and you're like, man, I really oh, don't yeah. have to tote that thing. I'm just going to, I'm just going to handhold this camera. I'm not going to take that or. I'm not going to take it, that camera arm because it, I don't want to have to climb the tree with it. Dude, you've got to take it. If the if the footage and the contents the most important thing, you got to do what you got to do. Yep, and stories, man. It's, it's, it really comes down to the story you're trying to tell. And uh, it, if you do it right, man, you can tell a story on your iPhone if mm-hmm. you did it right. And yeah. it's going to be good and it's going to move people. You know, and that's, that's the name of the game. 
well, you know, moving people. It doesn't matter if you're shooting on an $80,000 red or, you know, your daggum iPhone. Well, I mean, it, it comes down to the story you're telling, your sequencing, and the work you put in, you well, know. Well, that, that, you know, that telling a good story, moving people, but something I had to learn early on is there's some things that I'm going to like that other people aren't going to like. And there's some things that you're going to like or you're going to, you know, be drawn to that I'm not. Um, you know, it's, you know, like, for instance, that Born and Raised series. I don't know if you followed any of that this year, but they did 50 straight days of elk hunting and they did 50 different videos. And every day it was essentially their entire day of hunting. And some of yep. them were 20 minutes long. Some of them were 40 minutes long. And they had a huge following. And I have a huge you know amount of respect for what those guys did. But as far as watching it, wasn't my cup of tea. I want something with more production value. I want something with, now, do they tell a story? Yeah. Did they show camaraderie and, you know, friends hunting and, uh, you know, some success? Yeah, they did. But I would rather see something like what you're doing, something that's got a lot of production value, something that was really well thought out, something that had pre-production, something that, you know, had a lot of time in post-production. Even if it takes longer for me to see it, that's what I'm about. That's what I like. Um, but it took me a long time to, you know, when I would show people things that I'd done and, you know, I thought they were amazing and then they would watch me, you know, no man, that's pretty good. Well, there's a lot of things that I like or I love that somebody else might not, but as long as you're staying true to yourself or in our case, you're making the client happy and doing what they want to do, you know, then you can hopefully continue to have a job. That's right. Yeah, man. Well, uh, dude, I'm very jealous of your red that's something that i'm looking to try and buy this summer um not not the one that you've got because i can't afford it but um <laughs> but yeah I'm, I'm i'm wanting one because you know using one for the last year i hate the workflow i hate everything about it except what they look like when they're finished that's definitely not a, a fun camera to tote around no. turkey hunting or no. elk hunting What's that, sure. what's that thing weigh camera only with a, you know, with big V lock battery and just what's the, what's it weigh? Just, the, I've not, I've not put it on the scale. Her name is Dolores though. I call her Dolores and uh, Dolores. She, she's heavy. Yes. She's, she's a big, heavy. she's a big girl. She's a big girl. <laughs> and the, the tripod is uh I call it darkness and it's not much better. No, my drop, my, my, my camera is not that bad. I mean, it's not nothing like a red, but my tripod is a beast, but I'm telling you, it's one of those things where it, you know, that's probably one of the most expensive pieces of equipment I have, my head and my, my sticks, but dude, they're bulletproof and they are always rock solid. There is, you know, it's one of those things that I've talked about before. Don't skimp on buying good support because it's almost as important as the camera sitting on it. Absolutely. Yeah. But Walt, I really appreciate it. Make sure you tell Fafa and shit. I said, hello, next time you see him. And dude, I really, I really appreciate it. And, um, good luck on the rest of the season killing turkeys, buddy. Well, we'll be rolling out more, uh, episodes of the obsessed. We just put our first one up of the year, uh, a week or so ago Yeah, from Florida. And, uh, and you've we got, got a the, new web series too called impulse. Yeah. We started this year too. Yeah. That's what I was going to I was going to ask you about that. I couldn't remember the name of it. impulse. Yeah. I watched the one with Bobby and Lanny, uh, yesterday, I think that's a little different vibe, but, uh, I'm liking it. Yeah. I just, it, Lanny's, Lanny's, uh, his laugh and his smile is infectious. He's something else. He is. 
yeah, he, he really is. And he's you can't be you cannot be around that guy and not laugh. No, he and he's got this. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and Bobby, and you know, you meet Bobby or you see Bobby, and you think like he's this meek and mild and quiet guy, and then come to find out he's one of the biggest pranksters in the whole office. Yep, which is funny to me. Cool. Hey, well, uh, what's your what's your Instagram name and all that good stuff? And where's some places that you want people to follow if they want to see some of the stuff you're working on? Uh, MossyOak.com. Uh, under Mossy Oak TV, we've got uh, it's kind of a Netflix look. It's got all the different web series and things, and then they all go live on Facebook, Mossy Oak Facebook page, and then I post things quite a bit on Instagram. It's about the only thing I use anymore. Uh, that's just Walt Gabbard. Gotcha. That's well, it. Well, buddy. I appreciate it, and I will. Uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Good luck. All right, man. Sounds good. All right, dude. Talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>